What is the future of food? How is farming changing? And what is leading to those changes? Are consumers involved in these changes at all? In this episode, we talked to several leading experts working throughout the food and egg supply chain. We asked them to describe the ways the food system is changing. Dan Burdett has worked in agriculture his entire career. I've mostly worked in agribusinesses, helping growers and helping growers to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of their farming operations. I would like for us to think about our global food supply, and I'd like to think about it in the future. The United Nations estimates that today there are over 700 million people who are undernourished, and that's twice the population of the United States. Have we really thought about how secure the food supply is for the future? How secure the food supply is for our children and our grandchildren? And maybe most importantly, what can we do today to help with that challenge? Um, What I'd like to flag is an area of concern is the area of food access. That's Phil Pardee, a leading agricultural economist from the University of Minnesota. Uh, well aware that poverty is a major driver of, of access to food, as it is in much of the rest of uh, the world, and particularly in the developing world, like in sub-Saharan Africa, agriculture is the most geographically dispersed production uh, uh, sector on the planet. It takes uh, the average uh, farmer uh, over nine hours to reach a market in Africa of just 25,000 people. Lots of challenges with respect to stimulating production agriculture, there's even greater challenges in parts of the planet of getting access, physical access to food because of these limited infrastructure issues. Phil Party's concerns of food access expand on Dan Burdett's central concern of is there going to be enough food for the future? And asks, is there going to be enough food in the places where it is needed and what are the barriers to accessing that food? The solutions to concerns of food security and food access are not as simple as producing more food on more land. We want to feed a growing world population, but we want to do it responsibly and use fewer resources. And we're going to need innovation and technology to do that. We can't do it the old ways. That's Jason Lusk, a leading agricultural economist from Purdue University. The reality is there are costs to producing food. Here's Beth Sauerhaft, a sustainability leader at American Farmland Trust. What are the true true costs of production? And why are there hidden costs to inexpensive food and fibers for clothing? Like what are the downsides of fast fashion as as it ties to agriculture as well as other parts of the industry? You know, and so many of us are looking for inexpensive food and fibers given because we want to save money or because we've got limited incomes. I've had a career mostly working at the nexus of agriculture and the environment. People so frequently question farmers as good stewards on the land and really explain what farmers are doing to steward the land responsibly, whether it's to protect water quality or quantity or wildlife habitat or to um, minimize impacts to climate change or offset climate change. Um, let's talk about what their farmers and ranchers are doing to amplify the environmental co-benefits of their operations. 
One farmer who is adapting to the changing food system is Carmen Fernholz, an organic farmer from western Minnesota. What I really want to hear us talk about is a conservation of our agricultural resources, specifically uh, land, uh, soil, and water. And uh, we, uh, we know that uh, there are some terrific challenges to uh, preserving these two resources. And uh, <clears throat> like uh, Howard Buffett said, we have 40 chances as farmers to do this. Well, I've had about 45 chances and now turning it over. But in light of uh, really looking at how we can uh, take care of the soil and the water, the, the wow moment for me is really starting to evolve with the development of perennial crops across the landscape. And, and the one that I've had the privilege to work with quite extensively so far is the perennial wheat uh, trademarked as Kernza. And I'm looking at both uh, the uh, farmer transition and world nutrition. When we look at uh, perennializing the landscape, I think uh, it fits into both of those concerns quite well. Carmen points out farmers are aging which raises many questions about how agriculture is going to look in the future and who is going to be doing it. According to the 2017 Census of Agriculture, the average age of all U.S. farm producers was 57.5 years old. That's up 1.2 years from the last ag census in 2012 and continuing a long-term trend of aging in the U.S. producer population. Beth explains why this is so significant. One of the areas that I think is really critical for us to discuss is the whole issue of farm transfer in the United States. I don't know the statistics for the rest of the world, but the ownership of 40% of America's agricultural land will be in transition within the next 15 years, putting both family farmers and the land they steward at risk. And meanwhile, Many would-be farmers who want to come into farm or ranch often can't afford to enter the field. This is a demographic tidal wave unlike anything that American agriculture has ever seen. To put it in another way, this is about 371 million acres of farm and ranch land that could be in transition in the next 15 years simply due to the age of farmland owners. And if we don't get that land into the hands of the next generation, we could lose that land and the production on that land. Mallory Dimmitt, who leads strategic development for Likes Brothers Farm, a fifth-generation farming operation, sees another incoming change for farmland, how it is valued. One innovation that I see um, coming for the future is that farmland and ranch land will be evaluated and ultimately valued not only by traditional measures like crop yield, but also by sustainability factors like the biodiversity supported and the soil health preserved or rebuilt or the water that's infiltrated, et cetera, in terms of ecosystem service value. We're reaching a critical point in agriculture. Farming operations are going to radically change, which will affect how the food we eat will be grown and where it will come from. There is plenty of innovation in the food sector already pushing the boundaries on what is possible. 
there's a whole area called synthetic biology. So many of you are, are, have received or are hoping to receive a COVID vaccine. How was that vaccine produced? It was uh, by introducing a little piece of genetics into a bacteria to produce a protein that we're putting into our bodies that, that you know, our immune systems learn to fight off. But we can use that to produce really interesting food too. So for example, we can put a piece of DNA in a bacteria or a yeast, use a fermentation process and have that bacteria or yeast produce vanilla or saffron or other spices or flavors that uh, are expensive or sometimes can be environmentally destructive. Uh, many folks these days are interested in plant-based burgers. One of the most popular plant-based burgers, it's secret sauce, so to speak, uh, comes from uh, a, a compound called heme. It's what's in your, uh, the, it binds to the iron in your blood. That's produced through synthetic biology. Uh, and so I think there's a lot, that's just one example, I think, of the many exciting things that are happening on the innovation front in food and agriculture. What Jason is saying may sound pretty out there to many consumers. Will people really have appetites for food produced in fermentation tanks? Are plant-based burgers going to catch on? Is synthetic biology the future of food? It's one thing for us to raise the red flag and say, hey, we're going to have some problems here in X amount of years or whichever. But how do we educate the public and the people to be able to react to that? And because in all fairness, it's not everybody that's on the same level that everybody's that I've heard so far. I mean, uh, let's face it. We look after what the future crops are. Sustainability of seafood is a perfect example. But at the end of the day, the average Joe consumer has no clue of what we're actually talking about. That's Chef Alain Bosset, also known as the Kilted Chef from Nova Scotia. Chef Alain also raises one of the biggest challenges of our time, climate change, and discusses how it may impact the future of food. We're going to have to talk about global warming at one point or another because it's affecting all of us from one end to the other. We're seeing it in the seafood industry. We're seeing it in the agriculture industry, in our areas anyway. As the global population grows, there's an increasing demand on land and agricultural resources and an increasing disparity in who has access to those resources. Farming and food production systems are rapidly changing. The Food Compass podcast will continue to explore the forces behind these changes and the opportunities for the future. Join us next time for more insights on the future of food. The Food Compass will lead the way. Thank you.